Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. And you can also find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 191 of the show, and oh my goodness, you guys, we are loving all the new reviews that you are leaving for us in Apple Podcasts. So you may remember, a few weeks ago, we put out the challenge to see if we can hit 500 reviews in Apple Podcasts before the end of April. This month, April 2019, we are celebrating our four-year anniversary of creating Sorta Awesome for You. And we really, really believe in the work we're doing here to bring the message of being an awesome to the world. And we know that you believe in it too. And one of the best ways to spread the mission and the message of Sort of Awesome is to just tell people about it. A super fast, easy way to do that is if you're on an Apple device, whether it's an iPhone or an iPad, or if you have a Mac with iTunes on it, just search for Sort of Awesome, scroll to the review section leave us a brief review. It does not have to be an epic essay, you guys, if you've been putting it off because you're like, I don't know what to say. Listen, it could be one sentence that just tells the world what you love about Sorta Awesome. So maybe you love how we put a positive spin on things in life, or maybe there was an awesome of the week that made your life better. Maybe you love our hangout community. Maybe you love my very too loud and probably definitely obnoxious laugh. (laughs) Emily is over there silently nodding to herself. (laughs) Yes, I am. Whatever it is, seriously, whatever it is, just write a short sentence, submit it, done and done. We only need 100 more reviews to meet our goal of having 500 reviews in Apple Podcasts in April. So once again, search Sorta Awesome, leave us a brief review, help us have a happy birthday by shouting your love of awesome in Apple Podcasts. Okay, so yes, it's episode 191. I am joined today by my sister, Emily, who has become quickly become a show regular and a show favorite. So Emily, welcome back to Sorta Awesome. Thank you. Hello, awesomes. We are so excited about what we're doing today. This episode has a little bit of a backstory, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But basically, here's the deal. Emily, if there is one thing that you are an obsessive fan of in life, it's true crime. True or it false? It's true crime. <laughs> That's so true. 100% true. When you and I start talking about podcasts that we're listening to, you're like, so you, have you been listening to True Crime Garage or True Crime Junkie or all of these things? And I'm like, no, I have one true crime <laughs> podcast. Just one. True crime obsessed that you and I both are obsessed with and love. We're, you are only loyal to Jillian and Patrick right now. <laughs> That's right. In exactly. the true crime realm. And you know, we got to talking about the reason I love true crime obsessed and Patrick and Jillian is because they recap true crime documentaries mostly. Um, sometimes they do podcasts or whatever, but they make it funny and they tell it in a way where it doesn't um, make my sensitivities <laughs> get all... It doesn't trigger you. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Yes, because you are an HSP and that's okay. But the way that Jillian and Patrick talk about stories, they they like validate the seriousness of the stories, but they're also like just hilarious and like, you know, making fun of like the characters or, you know, why did that investigator do that? You know, like just all kinds of funny little anecdotes, if you will. Exactly. Exactly. So we got to talking about that and how a lot of times you want to talk to me about true crime cases that you've heard about, but you know, I'm sensitive. Right. So you'll be talking and you'll be kind of telling me the story and you'll be like, and then, okay, something bad happened. (laughs) And then there was like a lot of blood and then they were never seen again. That's how I prepare you. Yes, exactly. Here's, here's the part of the story where... 
something bad happened. Something bad <laughs> happened. And we started talking about how much fun it would be to just kind of roll with that. And this idea of you telling me about true crime that is interesting, but I, you have to do it in a gentle way. Right. <laughs> so that's exactly what we're going to do. Emily has uh, prepared some information for us on three true crime cases. She's going to tell us all about it. We're going to get to all of that here in just a few minutes. But first, let's do go ahead. And before we get into the, you know, um, mysterious and the puzzling and the something bad that happened. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start this show the way we always do. With our Awesomes of the Week, it's that moment in the show where we tell you all about the books or TV shows, the movies, podcasts, products, whatever it is in life that's making life just a little bit more awesome right now. So I can't wait to hear what you brought for us this week, Emily. All right. So my Awesome of the Week is another makeup product. Surprise, surprise. Yes. Okay. It is called Maybelline Age Rewind Concealer. Oh my goodness, yes. So this is a dupe for Tarte's Shape Tape. And, you know, I got to tell you, sometimes I just can't get to Ulta to get more Shape Tape. And this this Maybelline stuff is at any drugstore, Walmart, Target. Um, and it's very similar in formula. In fact, you can, I mean, you can use it just like Shape Tape. I've used it like all over. You know, usually when I use shape tape, I just use it under my eyes. But this this um, age rewind, you can use on your T-zone. You can put it wherever you want. You know, the lighter areas. I just love it. And it's so much more affordable than shape yes. tape. Yes. Here's my thing. I went through a big shape tape, um, like, I was like totally obsessed with it. it yeah. And I was, I, I used it all the time. I don't know if my skin changed or what happened, but I've kind of fallen out of love with it. I do feel like it, it is a really good concealer, but I feel like, especially because I do use so much under my eyes, that's my mm-hmm. main concealing area. It almost makes that area under my eyes look a little dull. Like, oh, okay. I could probably put a little bit of something that would bring a little bit of, um, shimmer or, you know, just kind of like brightness back to it. Yeah. But it really does to me, and it it could just be my taste and preference changed for what I was doing for under eye concealer. I don't think there's Mm -hmm. anything wrong with the product. It's a fantastic concealer, but I just kind of was like, I wasn't reaching it for it that much anymore. And when I ran out of my last tube, I didn't buy anymore. I actually bought this one, the age rewind. Oh, okay. Good. And I've been using that for um, a couple of weeks now. And I really, I mean, it's a, for the for the price point and the fact right. that you can get it at any drugstore, yeah, um, I think it's a fantastic concealer. Right, it's so great. Right, so we'll put a link in the show notes if you also want to check it out. You know, Emily always has some kind of excellent beauty recommendation for us. So thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, my awesome of the week this week is something that I'm really loving, especially for spring. It is a essential oil diffuser for your car vent. Okay. Have you ever used one of these? No. Okay. Well, you know, my friend Catherine and her sister, they have, um, they are doing Young Living now. And so I'm like sort of back into the world of everything that's out there for essential oils. So I picked up one of these little car vent um, diffusers. It's so small and so cute and really such a cheap way to make your vehicle smell better. I think all of us are kind of in the mood now that it's spring and we're spring cleaning out all of the grime and yuck out of our lives in general <laughs> from the winter. <laughs> um, I noticed my van just, you know, I've got four kids. You fit right. it in a million times. It doesn't smell good. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of really bothersome smells in there. And Speaking of being a sensitive person, one of my highest sensitivities, even when I'm not pregnant, is smell. Mm-hmm. And then when I am pregnant, I'm just like, I have like this crazy heightened sense of smell. Right. So I'd get into my van and just be like, oh my gosh, I just, I can't even deal with being in here because it just doesn't smell good at all. So this little vent thing, vent diffuser, it's just like a little clip that you just put, you just attach it right to your vent in your car. 
I was looking on Amazon. There are a ton that you can get that are like under $15. Some of them come as a two pack and they have all kinds of designs on them. Um, some really pretty like tree of life designs. There's some that are crosses. There's one that's a dog paw. There's all different kinds of designs for the, um, for the diffuser front itself. And then what they all have in common is underneath the design, underneath the front of it, there's a little felt pad that you put in there. And then you just drop your favorite essential oil onto that felt pad. And then you attach, attach the clip to your car vent. And then when you turn on your air conditioner, even it really does, I think diffuses essential oil, even when you aren't running your vehicle. Sure. And so when you get into your car, your van, whatever, your truck, it smells so good in there. And I just love it. It's like this one little thing. It was so, I think, cheap. I think it was totally worth every penny to mm-hmm. have that experience when I get into my van of not being like, oh, I can't stand the smell in here, to being like, oh my gosh, it smells so good in here. Well, good. <laughs> so I've been using Young Living's um, purification, different um, essential oil lines all have a variation of that kind of a purify blend. But that's the other great thing as opposed to those like hanging, you know, like you hang from your rearview mirror. Like the trees. Like the tree, the pine trees. The pine tree. (laughs) You're really limited to the scents that you can have with those. Right. Um, Now, some people really love those. No shame in that. That's fine. I find that with those artificial scents, just like I can't use fabric softeners because Mm -hmm. the scent gives me a headache. Same with those. So the thing about having the essential oil diffuser that's just attached to your car vent is you can pick whatever scent you like. Like if you're totally into lemon or peppermint or like whatever your thing is, you just add a few drops onto your little car vent diffuser and you are good to go. Great. So yeah, so that's my awesome of the week. I Like I said, I was just looking on Amazon. There are dozens that have great reviews that you can buy. So I'll drop a link to a few of those in the show notes. If you also want to freshen up your vehicle for spring with a car vent diffuser. And yeah, I'm just super, super loving it this week. Awesome. Okay. So those are our awesomes of the week, you guys. As you know, every single Friday, we love to hear what is awesome in your life right now. So if you have not joined us over on Instagram, you can do that. We're at Sword Awesome Show over there. Every Friday morning, we ask you to share your awesomes of the week with us on Instagram. And then, of course, in our Sort of Awesome Hangout group, our Facebook community, we do this every Friday morning. Emily, do you ever just take the time on Friday mornings to scroll through there and just feel like, oh my gosh, the world is going to be okay? I do. Oh my gosh. I look forward to that so much because in the the daily life of the rest of the week, it's hard. It is hard. Yes. It's so easy to get bogged down in everything that is like so terrible in the world. And then here comes Friday morning and it's this bright spot because not only are people sharing like what we do, like sort of like products or podcast recommendations, there's plenty of that, but people will talk about like, I had a baby this week or my grandkids are coming to visit or I finished my master's program. Like all of these good things that are happening in the lives of our awesomes. It really does make me feel like, okay, like we're going to be okay. You guys can do this. Yes. (laughs) We can do this thing called life. Exactly. Exactly. And thank goodness we can do it together. So if you have not joined us in our Facebook community, we would love to have you over there. You can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash sort of awesome hangout. You guys, there is a company out there that is dedicated to making your work appropriate wardrobe comfier than ever. Beta Brand is back this week with their dress pant yoga pant. These pants are amazing. They're wrinkle resistant, which you know is very awesome. They're made from a four-way stretch ponty knit fabric, and they have little details like faux zippers, pockets, front buttons, belt loops, everything that's going to make these look completely appropriate, whether you are going to work or going out for an evening with friends. They have a ton of shapes, sizes, colors, boot cut, straight leg, skinny, cropped, and more. 
There's four lengths to choose from, and some of their styles even have functional pockets. Databrand is all about connecting shoppers and designers to bring new ideas to life. And these dress pant yoga pants are one of their best ideas yet. They have such a huge selection, it was so hard to choose. But I am loving the boot cut dress pant yoga pants that I found, and they are so much comfier than any other dress pants or jeans I have ever tried. You guys can check out these dress pant yoga pants too when you go to betabrand.com slash awesome. That's all lowercase A-W-E-S-O-M-E. You're going to get 20% off of yours. Millions of women agree they are the most comfortable pants you will ever wear to work. So that's betabrand.com, B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D.com slash awesome to get 20% off of your dress pant yoga pants. Awesomes, if you are spring cleaning your personal life a little bit and you are all about getting fit these days, you can lose the commute to the gym and let the workouts come to you with Open Fit. Open Fit takes all of the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. It's a brand new, super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room in as little as 10 minutes a day. Everyone's bodies and lifestyles are different, and Open Fit totally gets that, which is why they have personalized the programs to your needs custom tailored original content. Open Fit classes are led by some of the most effective and engaging trainers in the world, including Andrea Rogers, the founder of the worldwide sensation Extend Bar, and other trainers that know how to help you get results quickly. With OpenFit, you can view your workouts on your computer, your web-enabled TV, your tablet, smartphone, Roku, and these workouts are going to bring results that you can see. OpenFit has helped me to stay active every single day from the comfort of my own home. And with my code AWESOME, you can join me on a fitness journey personalized just for you. Again, use code AWESOME and start using OpenFit for your journey to a healthier life this spring. Right now during the OpenFit 30-day challenge, you guys are going to get a special extended 30 day free trial membership to OpenFit where you can lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days when you text awesome to 303030. Again, you're going to get full access to OpenFit, all the workouts and nutrition information totally free. Just text awesome to 303030. Okay, Emily, you have done so much prep work to bring some true crime stories to the awesomes. I'm so I'm excited to hear about these. So, Emily. Yes. I didn't, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, but I'm super curious. When did your true crime obsession, be, when and how did your true crime obsession really start? Okay. I got to tell you this. It's interesting that you're asking me that question because even though you didn't tell me you were going to ask me that, I knew you were going to. <laughs> And I was thinking about that last night. I was like, when, why did I get so excited? When did I get so interested in true crime? And here is my answer. Here's the first thought that came to my mind. So when you were still living in Oklahoma, when you were a senior in high school, and then when you went on to college, you know, our, the rest of our family was living in Pennsylvania. Well, um, the part of Pennsylvania that we lived in, it snowed a lot, like a lot, a lot. And so during the winter and well, even well into the spring, we didn't really do a lot at night because the roads were bad. Yes. And I specifically remember on Friday nights, like mom and dad and I would watch 2020. Yes. Like that was like our tradition. (laughs) Your Friday night ritual. That was a Friday night ritual was watching 2020 and talking about it and getting so enthralled in the case. And I think that's where it came from. That totally makes sense. You know, mom and dad are still, they love to, they love a true crime story. They do. You know, now there's all the channels that you can watch that are just like nonstop. Yes. (laughs) Crime stories. If you want to feel really bad about the world, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's yeah. so true. 2020 has been a mainstay in our family uh-huh. of origin for yes. many a year. That totally makes sense, though, that you would, you know, right. just like kind of like, oh, my gosh, I, you know, just the idea of these unsolved murders or unsolved right. kidnappings or all of these things getting really right. intrigued with them. So investigative journalism. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So like I was saying at the top of the show, you definitely listen to a ton more true crime podcasts than I do. I do. Is that, I the, do. is that the, like the main way you 
learn about true crime cases now? Do you watch documentaries? Is it a little bit of both? What what do you how do you say how would you say you get most of your like true crime fix these days? Well, so here's what I do. I will listen to an episode about a case and then I'll go and do a bunch of research on it. Like um okay. for example, we're gonna talk about Maura Murray. Um I, I listen to True Crime Junkie, I listened to their episodes on Maura Murray, and then I found Missing Maura Murray, which, which has a, like, which, which is a, a podcast. Limited podcast series, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and that show alone has like 100 episodes on, on her disappearance. Are you serious? I'm serious. And there was a special on the Oxygen channel on her. Okay. So, you know, when I learned about a case and I find a lot of interest in it there's i mean you can go to reddit i mean you know this you can go to reddit and go down the rabbit hole of any case um so yeah so i i mainly listen to um the true crime podcasts um true crime junkie true crime garage there's there's several yeah and they kind of do like true crime obsessed they kind of do like a um the kind of overview cases. Yes. But then like yes. you said, I mean, we are living in the like heyday of the true crime limited series podcast. Right. Right. I mean, everything from, you know, Wondery, the network we're part of has a several like, Oh yeah. Dr. Death and over my dead yeah. body. And yep. um, I mean, it seems like everybody is doing these specialized limited series podca- podcasts now. In fact, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this as an awesome of the week or not. I'll go ahead and say this because it was really great, but it's very difficult to listen to. Root of Evil, I just listened yes. to. Mm-hmm. It just wrapped up. It is a very disturbing true crime podcast, but also a very powerful family drama because mm-hmm. it goes into the details of the Black Dahlia case, which I frankly did not know anything about. It happened in Los yeah. Angeles in the 40s, I feel like. 40s or 50s, 50s yeah. And, um, but it really zeroes in on the man who like, by the time you're finished listening to the podcast, you're like, oh, it's obvious he did it. George Hodel, who was a very well-known physician in Los Angeles in the time. And it goes into his family life and it is a very messy, complicated family drama with true crime. I almost hesitate to recommend it like as an awesome of the week. So I'm just going to go ahead and talk about it now because there are some episodes that are like super disturbing to listen to. And I I did make it through even as a highly sensitive person. And I think because there was just like so much interesting family dynamic going on. Right. That it was really compelling, but it's a tough listen, but it's very good. You're just like, oh my gosh. And I love those limited series podcasts because you can just binge them and you're just like, oh, you're yeah. in that story. You know, oh, Absolutely. Yeah, I binged Broken Hearts. Oh yes, um, in like thirty six hours. Yeah, that's a, I think that one's too tough for me. You were like, <laughs> you yes. texted me. You were like, if you were wondering if you should listen to Broken Hearts, <laughs> just don't do it. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Because I know you can't you handle no. it, right? Yes. And I, no I don't you. know. <laughs> I don't know if it's because, is it because you have kids and I don't? I don't know if that's it. I am really sensitive to anything where kids are hurt or yeah. abused. Yeah. Those are the toughest ones for me. Right. Um, there's a little bit of that in Root of Evil, and I don't know why. Maybe because it happened so long ago. Right. It seemed more like a historical story to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's not the main point of that story anyway. Mm-hmm. But with Broken Hearts, I just, it's about... Um, two women, they're married and they've adopted some children. Um, Mm -hmm. And then just kind of some of the, they had this perfect life on social media, but behind the scenes, it was a really terrible situation. And then um, they all die in the end, basically. We'll just leave it at that. Broken Hearts, it's a whole podcast. You can go listen to it. But yeah, you definitely, so you're also my screener. You'll be like, I am. You can handle this or no, this is not for you. (laughs) Even even TV stuff, like even documentaries. Definitely. I will say that too. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. For sure. Okay. So anyway, let's get back on track because like I said, you have prepared three stories. Now, all of these are missing person true crime stories, correct? Yes. Okay. So let's just start at the beginning with the first one that you wanted to talk about. You're going to kind of walk us through the whole thing. And of course, right. in every every story, something bad did happen or we wouldn't be talking about it. Right. So here we go. All right. So the first case I'm going to talk to you about is a man named Brian Schaefer. 
Okay. He disappeared on March 31st slash April 1st of 2006. He was a 27-year-old medical student. He was in his second year of med school at Ohio State University. Now, something that I think is, is worth, definitely worth mentioning in Brian's story is that three weeks before he disappeared, he lost his mom to cancer. Oh, gosh. His mom passed away from cancer. Okay. Um, so obviously when he was, when he disappeared, he was still probably definitely reeling from, yes. you know, that tragedy. Definitely. So this case fascinates me because it just doesn't make sense. Like I've, I've listened to other podcasters and, and, um, you know, armchair detectives talk about this case and there's not a whole lot of information. I will give you the information that we do know. Okay. The night he disappeared was the beginning of his school spring break. And he and his girlfriend, Alexis, were scheduled to that following Monday go to Miami, fly out to Miami for a spring break vacation. So that night, uh, that was a Friday night, uh, he and his dad went out to dinner. And then later that night, he went out with his friend Clint. Okay. And they started out at a bar called the Ugly Tuna Saluna. <laughs> I know, okay. isn't that funny? Yeah. So they they went bar hopping that night. Like they went to a, they started out the, at the Ugly Tuna and then they went bar hopping and took like a shot at each bar they went to. Well, later on that night, they met up with uh, one of Clint's friends, Meredith. Mm-hmm. And Meredith drove them back to the Ugly Tuna Saluna so they could finish, you know, their last round there. Okay. Uh-huh. So interestingly, Clint, both Brian, Clint, and Meredith, all three of them, were seen going up the escalator. So to get into the bar, you walk in, you go up an escalator onto a landing, and then you turn right, and then you go into the bar. Uh-huh. So all three of them were seen at about 1.15 in the morning going up the escalator and going into the bar. Seen by witnesses? I'm sorry. Seen on security camera. Security camera is like the security cameras in this story are crucial to the whole story. Okay. So, yes. So, thank you for clarifying that. They were seen on the security cameras going up the escalator, going into the bar. So, at about about what? Okay. I was just going to ask about what time was this as the evening had progressed? Right. So, this was at about 1.15 a.m., Okay. So 45 minutes before the bar closed. Because they were just going to have one more shot and then, you know, call it be done. Yeah, sure. Okay. At about 1.55 a.m., Brian was seen just outside the bar. He was talking to two girls. It kind of came out later that he got their phone numbers. Uh I think, yeah, he got their phone numbers. And then... um, shows him going back into the bar. Okay. And this must be like right before the bar was going to close. Yeah, this was literally right before the bar closed. And okay. his friends said that the last thing he said to them was, I'm going to go talk to the band. Huh. They they lost track of him. Everybody starts, you know, leaving because it's two o'clock in the morning. It's time for everybody to go home. So Clint and Meredith go back down the escalator outside and start waiting for him, and he he never shows up. Huh. This is where, like, he, something bad happened because right. he just vanished. Oh, my gosh. So there's not a whole lot to go on, especially if, if you believe what the police are saying, which I'm going to get into, is that they have absolutely no recording of him leaving. You can't really go any further than what happened to him. Right. Because he never left the bar. That is so weird. He was inside a building in a bar where other people are around. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And to this day, he's literally never been seen again. He's completely vanished. Not a trace, not fingerprints, not a social security number. Oh, my gosh. Not his car. Nothing. So police started investigating. They talked to everybody. They talked to the bar. They talked to security. They Actually, the bar shut down for a couple days after he was reported missing. So he went missing Friday night, 
Saturday morning. And his two friends that were with him, Clint and Meredith, they go back home just assuming that Brian went back to his apartment because his apartment was about six blocks from this bar. Okay. So they thought maybe he just like walked home. So they just thought, oh, he was drunk. He walked home. No big deal. So whatever. And so they just went back to their places. Well, they called him. They kept calling him throughout the weekend and couldn't get a hold of him. And so his girlfriend, Alexis, you know, was was obviously notified and, and calling him as well. And when Brian did not show up for their flight to Miami Monday morning, yeah, that's when the police were called. Definitely. And, and a, a missing persons was filed. It's, you know, there's not a whole lot of information. They obviously, they... They set up a search party. They evidently there are a lot of, at least at the time, there were a lot of security cameras in the Columbus area. Like it was known in this area or in Columbus that there were just, there were just security cameras everywhere. And there are some theories that Brian made it out like maybe this service exit. Yeah. I didn't think about that, but okay. So like the band and like the waiters and the people that worked at the bar, they would use this service exit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which technically didn't have a video camera on that exit. Mm. But to get to that door, you had to go down a hallway and that hallway had a video camera on it. Okay. Now, this is what's interesting. In 2014, the police came out and said it is with 100% accuracy that Brian never left the bar. And here's how they say it. Now, this is coming into question, obviously. Here's how they say that. They say that for every person they see enter, they claim to have seen that person leave. On on camera. Except on camera, except okay. for Brian. But, you know, some people like the True Crime Garage people that I've been listening to, they, they actually talked to the security at that bar and said, oh, you know, wow. it's not impossible for someone to leave that bar without being noticed, but it is doable. Huh. Um, I don't know how that would be, but that's very interesting. So, okay. This is so, this is like so bizarre to me. It is because- the biggest puzzle I mean, truly, like some missing crime things, I'm sorry, missing person, true crime stories, it'll be like, and then they were, you know, they were walking home or they right. were, they um, right. went for a bike ride or they went for a jog where you're like out in this out in, in a big open space. Right. But this is a confined area. There's cameras everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Well, and you know, when you like in Dallas, when there's someone missing, it's always, she was last seen leaving work right or leaving the restaurant that's that's none of this is in here because he never like no one saw him leave that is so crazy so that's what's so puzzling about this and i mean i'm guessing like if he vanished like alexis the girlfriend never like never heard from him again never well i will tell you this i will tell you that alexis just to make herself feel better after, you know, they realized that they were just at a dead end and this was probably just going to be a, a cold case. Yeah. She, she called his cell phone number every night and it always went to voicemail. Straight to voicemail. Okay. Straight to voicemail. Well, one night in September, she called it and it rang three times. Oh, how weird. And wait, and so just timeline wise, Okay, he so disappeared the evening of March 31st. Yes. And she was calling it every night. Every and then night. In September. In September. It actually rang three times. It actually rang three times. And, you know, that, of course, the police were notified. That was like a huge media thing. Like it was like, they thought it was like a break in the case. Yeah. Sing- it was AT&T was singular at the time. Uh-huh. And Singular said, well, we think that was just a glitch on our end. What we think mm. happened was our tower was busy, too busy to pick it up. So as it was transitioning to another tower to pick it up, the phone rang. Oh, shoot. On her end. But it didn't actually ring. Like the actual, his actual phone didn't ring because it wasn't oh. on. Oh, okay. So it pinged to a tower about 14 or 15 miles away from Columbus, but it really just ended up being a dead end. Oh my gosh. 
This is so crazy and so heartbreaking. And I feel so terrible for the dad whose oh, wife well, had just died. And then yeah. his son, three weeks later, his son disappears right. forever. Right. Well, hold on to that because I haven't told you about the dad. Oh, no. About two years after Brian disappeared, um, his dad, Randy, was caught in a windstorm outside their house and a tree branch fell on him and killed him. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And the neighbors found him the next morning. I know. And so Brian's brother, Derek, is the only one left in that family. Oh, my gosh. My heart is dealing with all that tragedy. Yes. Oh, that poor guy. I hope he's gotten a lot of help and support. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. So that is the missing person case of Brian Schaefer. Brian Schaefer. It's S-H-A-F-F-E-R if you want to listen to it or if you want to find out out. more information on it. Yeah. Do a a Google deep dive because I'm sure there's tons more out there. So mysterious. Ugh, so, so crazy. Awesomes, now that the weather is nice and spring is here, I am loving taking my evening walks and I especially love wearing my lovely leggings from Fabletics. Yes, even in my third trimester, I can still wear my Fabletics leggings. Remember, Fabletics is a fashion-focused activewear brand with a mission to empower women by making a healthy, active lifestyle accessible to everyone with its exceptional price point. Fabletics is your one-stop shop for affordable gym wear. If you'd also like to check out the leggings, from Fabletics. They have an offer just for you awesomes. You're going to get two leggings for $24, a $99 value when you sign up as a VIP. Just go to fabletics.com slash awesome to take advantage of this deal now. As a VIP, you get free shipping on orders over $49 and there's absolutely no commitment when you purchase your first order. One thing I love about everything available at Fabletics is these are designs that not only are going to look awesome while you're working out, but you really and truly can wear them as part of your regular wardrobe too. And again, as a VIP with Fabletics, you're going to get 50% off of their regular price and also instant access to their latest collections. So if you are ready to get out and about this spring, you got to check out Fabletics. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on their special offer of two leggings for only $24 when you sign up as a VIP. Go to fabletics.com awesome to take advantage of this deal now. Again, no commitment to purchase monthly, free shipping on all orders over $49 when you go to fabletics.com awesome. Awesome. Terms and conditions do apply. Okay. Whoa. Let's kind of shake it off. Take a deep breath, stretch it out. All right. Let's hear (laughs) the next case. All right. So the next case is the story of a young girl, 17 years old. Her name is Alyssa Turney. Okay. Have you heard of Alyssa Turney? Um, I feel like you've asked me, like, have you heard of the Alyssa Turney case? And I'm like, mm, okay. no. And then I'm like, is it a missing child? And you're like, kind of. And then I was like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if I want to talk about it or I don't want to. I don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm ready. I'm, I'm psyched up. I'm ready. Right. This is, yes, we can do this. Okay. All right. So Alyssa Turney, uh, like I said, was a 17-year-old girl living in Phoenix, Arizona with her stepdad, Mike, and her half-sister, Sarah. Their mother had died uh, several years prior to Alyssa going missing of cancer. Okay. What Um, what year are we in? Did you say the year? I did not. I'm sorry. This is May of 2001. 2001. Okay. And um, her stepdad, Mike, had actually adopted her quite a few years ago. Okay. Before the mom passed away from cancer. Yes. Okay. Before the mom passed away. Yes. Okay. And then Mike and um, Alyssa's mom had a younger girl, a younger daughter named Sarah. Okay. Gotcha. And I think Sarah was like about four years younger than Alyssa. Okay. A little bit of background information on Mike. Okay. This is one of those stories where it's it's about a missing person, but then it kind of becomes about much more than just the missing person, gotcha. if you know what I mean. Oh, I totally know what you mean. Yes. Okay. So a little bit of background on her stepfather, Mike. He was really hard on Alyssa. He was very, very strict with her. He kept a really tight rein on Alyssa. Like he controlled pretty much everything that she did. Um, she had a job at Jack in the Box. He would show up randomly just to make sure she was there when she always was. Like he didn't trust her. And with his younger daughter, Sarah, he basically had no rules. Like it was totally mm. opposite. He would 
when she was, when Sarah was a teenager, he would buy her beer and let her smoke cigarettes and let her skip school anytime she wanted to. It was just very, very different parenting Yeah, um, to two girls. Another thing about Mike that we need to know is that he was very litigious. Okay. Anytime he felt like he was not being treated fairly or wasn't giving the information that he deserved, he would just sue anyone. Oh, okay. For anything. Okay. Interesting. He was also the kind of person that needed everything to be documented and recorded. This is very strange already. I can see how this is like about more than um, a 17-year-old girl going missing. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's a lot of stuff going on. Okay. Let's just say that. So, um, so on the last day of school, Sarah, the younger sister, realizes that her dad, Mike, is late picking her up from school. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, this is not really very uncommon. So Sarah goes to her friend's house and waits for her dad. Like they don't even have to, you know, he, she doesn't even have to call him because this, I guess, happens a lot. Mm-hmm. And he just knows to pick her up at her friend's house. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So he picked her up at about 630 or 7. Oh, that's pretty late after school. It is. That's not not just like a few. That's not just like, oh, I'm running about 15 minutes late. That's hours after school. It's pretty late. It's pretty late. Okay. Um, So when he picks up Sarah, the first thing he says to her is, I can't find your sister. Here, call her. And hands her his cell phone. Hmm. And so she tries to call her sister, um, can't get a hold of her. They go home and they go to Alyssa's room and she's not there. The contents of her backpack appear to have been just dumped on her bed, uh, but her backpack was gone. Interesting. Okay. Her cell phone was left on the dresser. The cell phone that they had been calling was left on the dresser next to a note. And I don't remember specifically what the note says, but I'll give you the gist. Okay. It says something like, Dad and Sarah, I'm running away or I'm going to California. Sarah, you always wanted me gone. And so now you've got your way. Dad, I took $300. Something like that. Was this in her handwriting? It was in her handwriting. Okay. Yeah. Police later decided had had made the decision that it was definitely in her okay her handwriting. Yes. What happens from there is Mike, her stepdad, uh, calls the police and reports Alyssa as a runaway. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, like the first week, there's not really a whole lot being done because I guess run, runaway cases are treated differently than. Than a true missing person. Okay. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Okay. And since they had that note, that was their, their, you know, that was their conclusion that she had just run away because she had, um, so her mom's sister lived in California. And that's where she said she was headed out to. And that's where she said she was going to, or that's where they assumed where she was going to because she had talked about it before. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Evidently a week, about a week after she left or was gone, whatever you want to say. Yeah. In the mer- early morning hours, Mike got a phone call. They got a, a, a phone call to their home phone and it was Alyssa and Mike answered it. And it was just a very short call. It was like 29 seconds long. Mm. And all she did was cuss him out and say, leave me alone. I'm in California. Uh, I don't want to talk to you. And then hung up. Okay. Now, something interesting that I forgot to say is that Mike recorded every phone call from the house, either outgoing outgoing or incoming phone calls from the house. Wait, just even before Alyssa disappeared? Even before Alyssa disappeared. What the heck? He recorded every phone call that happened on that home phone. That's weird, right? That's weird to me. That's one of the many weird things I find about this this, uh, um, this guy here. That strikes me as odd. Okay. Yes. All right. So is the, then is there a recording of this phone call? Nope. Oh. It happened to be turned off that morning. Uh-huh. And he didn't get that phone call. Recorded. Recorded. 
Oh, right. Okay. Conveniently enough. Uh huh. Yes. Sure. So sure, Jan. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure, Jan. <laughs> so uh, he he starts telling his family. He does not tell the police this, but he starts telling his family. I think something bad happened to Alyssa. Mm. And he literally starts going to California, driving around where he thinks she is looking for her for like a week or two. Now, he does not tell the police this. He he does not tell the police, oh, I changed my mind. I don't think she ran away. I think something bad happened. He only tells his family that. So the police are still under the assumption that it's just a runaway. So they're not really following up very much on the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the case goes cold. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of information. Um, So besides that supposed alleged phone call, was there like any phone record? I mean, if she was calling from a cell phone, was there a... Yes. Or was she calling from a cell phone? I guess she she left her phone at her house. So So they actually, uh, the police later found the record for that phone and it was it was that phone call was made from a payphone in california okay yes for 29 seconds to right. the landline right at her old house okay right and this was after just i think this is probably worth noting this was after he had been in california looking for her for several days so the phone call happened a week after she went missing okay And in between the week she went missing and the week that phone call happened, he was in California looking for her. And what she's, okay, that makes sense. If she did make that phone call, she was saying, leave me alone. Right. She somehow, somehow knew that he was looking for her, maybe in the community where her aunt lived. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Still very, very, very suspicious, but okay. Yes. So. It, like I said, the case really did. They didn't have a lot to go on. So, you know, it just kind of it went cold. Well, so she went missing in 2001. In 2006, this serial murderer, Thomas Heimer, he uh, he was he was in jail. He was in a Florida prison. He actually wrote the detective of Alyssa's case and said, I killed Alyssa and I'm going to make you famous. Oh. Yeah. Okay. They get in contact with this Thomas Heimer guy and Thomas picks Alyssa out of a lineup of girls and picks her and says, that's Alyssa. A picture of her. A picture of her. Okay. Mm -hmm. And says, yeah, I killed her. She was a heroin addict. I killed her. Okay. Well, so the police went back to her family and said, uh, so, you know, there's this guy who says he killed her, says he she was a heroin addict. And everyone in her life was like, no way. Hmm. She was, you know, she was not she was not a heroin addict. And you can't really <laughs> you cannot hide being a heroin addict from someone. Right. Um, you know, they they knew that, you know, she she maybe snuck around with alcohol or cigarettes or, you know, stuff like that. But she, there's no way that she was like into hard drugs. So they realized that this Thomas Heimer guy was just totally just trying to get attention. Like he never knew her. He never met her. It was just a hoax. Oh man. But interestingly enough, because Thomas Heimer kind of like brought light to the case again. Yeah. So in 2006, they reopened the case. They started talking to her friends, her family once again. And her friends had mentioned that she had said on more than one occasion that she did want to leave. And when they pressed her about it, they said that she told them, and and I'm talking like she told like 10 or 15 friends. Oh, wow. Okay. That she was being sexually abused. Okay. By my By her stepdad. Yes. Okay. And so she wanted to get away. Mm-hmm. So the police are starting to really look into Mike, her stepdad. Mm-hmm. So they get a search warrant. And what they find is shocking. They find really a, a lot of things. Nothing necessarily related to Alyssa, but they find what they call a manifesto. Oh, okay. 
And the manifesto is this rambling on of Mike's theory is that what happened to Alyssa has to do with some electrical workers union. What? That, I'm serious. <laughs> okay. So his theory is that she was taken and killed by someone from this electrical workers union because they had beef with him. So several years prior, he claims that he was intentionally knocked off of a, or, or attempted, someone attempted to knock him off of a 70 foot ladder uh-huh. because he would not join the union. Oh, wow. Yes. He has had it in his head that they're out to get him. They are out to retaliate against him. And so in this manifesto that they find, he says they killed her. They took her, you know, that's where she is. I'm going to retaliate against them and blow up their building. What? Yes. Oh, my gosh. And they find 26 pipe bombs like in in his his garage. What? I'm not kidding. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And the detective on the case is like, we were days away. We prevented a mass murder from happening within days. Holy wow. Yes. That's insane. So clearly he went to prison for, I think, nine or 10 years. And when he was in prison, 2020 did an episode on him on the whole Alyssa Turney case. Mm. And interestingly enough, Sarah was, you know, Sarah was a teenager at the time and she, she now feels very differently than she did during that 2020 episode. Yeah. She really honestly, during that 2020 episode thought that, that Alyssa just had run away. And, you know, she said, until someone tells me otherwise, I think uh, Alyssa is on a beach sipping margaritas and just living a totally different life. Yeah. Well, interestingly, in that 2020 episode, something comes out that no one knew. Mike admits on the show that he actually picked up Alyssa somewhere between 11 and 12, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. that that day that she was missing. Yes. Okay. He had never told anybody that before. And when Sarah saw that, I think when their whole family saw it, they were like, whoa, this is kind of a big piece of information that you weren't telling us. Yes. And Mike goes on to explain it. He actually has several different stories, depending on who he's talking to, in terms of like, well, I took her out because um, I wanted to take her lunch. I took her out early because she wanted to break up with her boyfriend, John, at the time. Mm. After that 2020 investigation, Sarah started doing her own research and um, is, is now under the impression that her dad probably had something to do with the disappearance mm. of her sister. Oh, man. So there is a lot more information um, about this. There is a podcast called Missing Alyssa. Okay. Um, it's not a long podcast at all. It's not a long series, but it gives you a lot of information. And the, the thing about this story is that, you know, th- there's, a, there's a really big theme of mental illness in the story. It's okay. very apparent. So it's, yeah. Okay. It's interesting. All right. And again, that was the Alyssa Turner, Turney, Alyssa Turney, Turney story. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I think we have time for one more. And I know this is one of the big ones you wanted to talk about. Yes. This is a very famous case. If you're into true crime at all, you know, the case on Maura Murray. Okay. So Maura Murray was a college student at the University of Massachusetts at Amherst. Okay. Um, She went missing on Monday, February 9th of 2004. Uh, She was 21 years years old at the time. Okay. She was a transfer student. She had just transferred um, from West Point to UMass. Okay. Uh, She was very athletic. She was a star on the track team. You know, on paper, it looked like she had a lot going for her. She was a nursing student. Oh, wow. Yes. On the day she went missing, actually, let's back up. Uh, The day before she went missing, her dad had come down to her campus to help her look for a car. 
-hmm. her car that she was driving was in really bad shape. I think it was like an old Saturn or something and really just should not have been driven at all. And Mm -hmm. so they pick out a car, but they were not able to actually purchase it that weekend. So the plan was, is that her dad was going to come back the next weekend and they were actually going to get it. Okay. So um, that night that her dad is in town, she takes her dad's car to go to a party and she actually ends up wrecking his car, like his new car. Oh. Yes. She's obviously really upset about that. Um, He calms her down. She, you know, returns his car the next day. He is like, it's okay. You know, he had said on many occasions that that morning, that night and that morning, she was really upset. Mm -hmm. Um, But then he calmed her down and, you know, was, was telling her everything was going to be okay. And um, so later that day, uh, this was actually that Monday, February 9th. This was the day that she went missing. She spent pretty much all day uh, looking at rental properties in the New Hampshire area, the New Hmm. Hampshire, Vermont area, which was weird because classes had just started. It was the beginning of a new term and she was, you know, just starting the new semester or the new term. At the University of Massachusetts, not yes. in New Hampshire or yes. wherever. Right, okay. right. No one really knows what she was doing. She did email her professors and say, there has been a death in the family and I need to, I will be gone for about a week. But there was no death in the family. Okay. Um. So, you know, she, she obviously wanted to get away for some time. Um, no yeah. one really knows why. She, you know, she does some things before she leaves. She, uh, she calls her boyfriend. She leaves a voicemail, tells him that she loves him, um, calls some more rental properties, um, looks online at rental properties. And these in are New all, Hampshire. okay, that's going to say, these are all in yeah. like New Hampshire. Yes. The New Hampshire, Vermont area, which actually her dad said she was very familiar with because they would go hiking and camping in those areas. Okay. And so she was very familiar with those those places. Okay. All right. It's strange, but okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's pretty uh, mundane right now. So she, uh, sometime in the afternoon, she, she goes to an ATM. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until years later that the the security tape from the ATM was actually released, but she goes to an ATM and she gets out almost all the money that she had in there. It was about 280 ish dollars. Okay. And from there she goes to a liquor store. They know what she bought because they found a receipt in her car when they, when they found her car and the receipt said like had listed three big bottles of liquor and a box of wine. So she goes to the liquor store and then at 7.30 that night, she crashed into, well, this is what they think happened. She crashed into a snowbank and it was like dark. It was cold. It was snowing. Um, It was this tiny town in Haverhill, New Hampshire, Mm -hmm. um, basically in the middle of nowhere. They don't know where she was going. They don't know if she was really lost or if she knew exactly where she was and she was going somewhere secluded no one really knows or she'd been drinking i mean she had all well that's and- another that's that's a very good insight so what happened was she crashed her car into a snowbank yes there were a couple witnesses she crashed her car in front of this um this lady's house and th- this lady her name was faith westman she actually called 911 and said, you know, there's a crash in front of my, you know, in front of my house. Come take care of it. And the 911 operator said, is anybody hurt? And Miss um, Westman said, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been out there. There was part of her 911 call that was redacted. And what? why? The, well, I don't know. Through the magic of internet, we found out that the part that was redacted was that she said she saw a man in the car with the woman smoking a cigarette. Oh, my goodness. Okay. But the reason why she redacted it is because she wasn't sure that that's what she had seen. Okay. All right. Okay. The first 911 call that Faith Westman makes is at 727. Uh Uh-huh. A couple minutes later, just minutes later, a bus driver named Butch Atwood 
comes upon the accident Mm -hmm. and stops and asks, asks Maura if she needs help. She says, I'm fine. I'm a little shaken up. It's fine. I've already, I've already called triple a, you know, you can go on. Well, Butch Atwood lived very close, like a half a mile from that crash site and knew that there's no way she could have called AAA because there was no service. There was no self-service on that road. Oh, no self-service. Right. So he knew that she was lying. So he went home and called 911 himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was at 740 when he called 911. Okay. The first police officer to arrive at the scene uh, arrived there at 747. Okay. Mora was gone. (gasps) She was gone. The car was locked. There was a rag in the tailpipe. Mm. There were splashes of some sort of beverage inside the car, and there was pink stuff poured out onto the snow next to the car. Okay. Both Both airbags were deployed, and there was a crack in the in the windshield. Yeah. Get this. There were no footprints in the snow <gasps> in the car. What? I'm not kidding. She's there gone. No footprints. No footprints. Okay. In the snow leading anywhere. So <sighs> this is crazy. Yes. This is the story that has so the podcast Missing Maura Murray. They have yeah. literally a hundred episodes on oh, it because yeah. like there's a lot there's a of lot information here. here. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I mean, are there any theories? Like, do they okay, if there's no if there's no footprints, do is it possible that somebody came along, saw saw the wreck or whatever, and she got into somebody else's car? Yes. Or okay. Yes. So there are actually quite a few theories. Um, That is one of the theories is that someone, you know, meaning her harm in that seven minutes time drove by, either picked her up, like lured her in the car or forced her in the car and drove off and, you know, something bad happened. Yeah. Um, There's, there's quite a few other theories. Um, There's the tandem driver theory. Um, that either someone was following her or in front of her and realized like when she had hit the snowbank, like just pulled up and said, Hey, get in, we'll take my car, whatever. Okay. And what's interesting is that she had gotten to that crash site. So when she crashed, there was an hour missing. Like she got there an hour later than she should have. Wait, what do you mean? Okay. So she went to the ATM. Okay. She went to the liquor store. Yeah. So let's say it took, let's say usually it would take like three hours to get to Haverhill, which is where the crash site happened. Yeah. She okay. actually got there and that crash happened four hours later. So, so something happened. She, so something happened. There's an yeah. hour's worth of time that's not accounted for. Okay. And interestingly enough, and they even take into account the stop at the liquor store and the stop at the ATM. Right, right. But when they find her car, they find more alcohol in her car than what was on the receipt of what she bought at the liquor store. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So there's also the theory that like that's too much alcohol for one person. Like well, yes. surely there was someone with her, someone following her, you know, something like that. Yeah. But no one's ever come forward. Not one person has ever come forward and oh, said shoot. she was meeting me or I was with her or anything. Yeah. Can't get into it because there are so many theories. Okay. On her story, but yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to have to go listen to and binge through <laughs> Missing Maura Attorney, Missing Maura Murray, because I'm like, what happened? Oh, yes. I need to know. Yes. I need to know. This is crazy. And like you crazy. said, there's a ton more. Obviously, if there's a hundred episodes. Yes. Then there's a ton more to this case. Now you've right. got me really, now you've got me interested, Emily. Now I know what right? I'm going to be doing the rest of this weekend for <laughs> sure. Okay, you guys, this was a lot, but like I said, Emily is the, um, not only is she our resident beauty product guru, now she's going to be our true crime guru. So you want to follow up and find Emily on social media for more uh, true crime talk and podcast suggestions and theories and all that. Emily, remind people where we can find you all around the web. So I'm on Instagram at Emily34331. And I'm also very active in the Sorta Awesome Hangout group on Facebook. 
perfect. You can find her there. You can find me on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find us on uh, Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod. Again, you can find the show over on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. And you can find us on uh, the Facebooks, either in the Hangout group, uh, search the Sorta Awesome Hangout, and you'll find our group or anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sort of awesome. Emily, thank you for taking the time to tell us the, about the bad things that happened in a gentle way. Yes. Where nobody's traumatized. We're just intrigued. So thank you for letting me talk about this stuff. You know how passionate I am about these cases. I do. I do know. Okay. Well, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see y'all next time. Sort of awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to sortaawesomeshow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.